Well, hello, you awesome nerds. Welcome back to Pitch Slapped. This is the Pitch Perfect podcast where we just delve into anything to do with Pitch Perfect because we love it so much. Well, at least I do. I don't know about anybody else. I just ramble on for ages. Coming up in this episode of the podcast, we've got to celebrate a very special birthday. We're also going to be looking a little bit at Uber... And what happens if you can tell the age somebody is going to die? All this and more on Pitch Labs today. Let's get into it. Starting off as we like to every single week, it's our actor news. I think we need to address the biggest Pitch Perfect shake-up to come recently after Love on Top. Anna Camp did a tweet this week that really just shook a lot of people to their core. She tweeted... I'm going to say it now so no one ever asks me again. I have no idea if they're going to make another pitch perfect. That's it. That's the tweet. It does make me wonder. She's in quarantine at the moment or, you know, just about coming out, maybe doing a few projects. And she's been doing a lot of live streams and stuff. And it's like, how many times are you getting asked this question? Like, whether it's on your Instagram, on live streams, on whatever... That you're getting to the point where you have to do a tweet basically declaring you don't know when it's going to happen. Please stop asking me. <laughs> I mean, we'd love there to be another Pitch Perfect movie. And who are we going to ask if we don't ask the actors? The only thing I will say is it's always like really tempting whenever they're in photos holding up the number four or anything like that. I mean, it's just tempting with fate. People get really excited. And we just had the Love on Top video. So... The whole Bella's excitement has just kind of been sparked again with some new material. So maybe she's just been hounded a lot recently. To be fair, it is astonishing when she's doing these live streams, especially the Instagram ones. The amount of comments that literally say, when's Pitch Perfect 4 going to happen? And they might be doing a live stream about something completely different that has nothing to do with uh, Pitch Perfect and it would just be full of pitch perfect like comments. So so I feel sorry for the teams that have got to try and like scroll through and find any good questions that maybe aren't pitch perfect related. But we just love it so much and, and people get really excited. So Anna can put this statement out. Definitely rocked a lot of people. We also had this week Hannah May Lee. If you didn't know, her new movie is out. It's called The Babysitter Killer Queen. It's actually quite an intriguing movie. If you haven't seen the first one, it's kind of like horror comedy-esque. Just from the trailers, it looks really, really bizarre. I must admit. But at the same time, whenever I see Hannah Maylie in the trailers, I'm just like, oh my word, this was like her perfect role. And I've seen some memes out there that people have done and GIFs where it's almost like an extension of Lily. So I saw a great gif of this on Twitter. I'm going to say the name really, really badly, but at Shimulacra on Twitter did a gif where it's got Lily talking to Donald with the quote, I set fires to feel joy. And then a scene from the new movie where she's got a flamethrower. Like it just, it works so well. It's so good. And uh, she's done a few interviews. There's one by the website Nightmarish Conjurings where she did an interview talking about her experience handling a flamethrower and also 
chocolate chip cookies, which seems to be in a significant part of this character. So it's intriguing. It looks completely bizarre, but I am very excited to watch it. And it is on Netflix now. That is Hannah Maylie in The Babysitter, Killer Queen. Ben Platt's also been busy this week. He was actually on the Kelly Clarkson show where they were having a little bit of a throwback moment to when they performed Make You Feel My Love. They did like a little duet. So he talks about some significant moments that he's had recently and also talking about how he's been using this quarantine social distancing period to kind of get into his songwriting and hopefully get some new material out soon. So it's exciting to think that he's been busy at work. And finally, we do have to cover it because it is news. The Emmys were over last week. And whether you saw it or not, obviously, we all know that Anna Kendrick didn't get an Emmy for Dummy. But she is still an EGOT nominee. Let's just, like, put it where it's at. And whether you need the recognition of an award... I just think that it just bodes well for the future, that she's always engaging in new and different projects. And I look forward to what unique projects she's going to do in the future. It's one of the things I love about Anna Kendrick. She's not afraid to delve into new things, maybe something a little bit bizarre or a bit more artsy. So you never know where it's going to take it next. With that being said, I think it's time for us to delve into this week's main topic as we celebrate the birthday of the one and only Becca Mitchell. Now, it's always really difficult to figure out when the birthdays of the Pitch Perfect characters are. We were blessed with a number of outlets to help us figure it out, but I feel like potentially it just made us more and more confused. So I didn't realise till recently that there is like two different sources that you can look at to get the birth dates of the characters from Pitch Perfect. And depending on what you believe, some people lean towards one or the other. Now, m- the one that I've known about for the longest is the passport photos. We have to thank Pitch Perfect 3 for the passport photos of the Bellas. Just taking those freeze frames from the movies, you get to know their birth dates and also where they're from. And we didn't have this before. Like, this is all new information that we gained from Pitch Perfect 3. Love it or hate it, there's something we were blessed with. So a lot of people that I know lean to the passport photos as their canon for when the birth dates were... But it turns out there's also another source that confuses people. So if you want to take it even further back than Pitch Perfect 3, around the time of the first movie, Elizabeth Banks posted up something on her website which indicates when the Bella's birth dates are. So if you actually go to elizabethbanks.com, there's a little page on there. This has been around for a long time and I think only sort of people who've really dove into the fandom i had to ask a number of people and they had to kind of like find this because i've heard people talking about it before but never seen it but it surprises me that's still on the website so they have on here this kind of like rap sheet of all the main characters and some of their like important dates where they're from some of their likes but it is completely different to what is on the passport photos so It means 
that we are now stuck because, like, what do you interpret as the actual thing? What is okay? Which one do you take more? Do you take the passport photos or Elizabeth Banks' website? Now, bearing in mind that not everybody knows about the website, it doesn't cover all the characters, and the fact that the passport photos are actually in the movie... I mean, I don't know, but my kind of thoughts are, well, maybe that's what the final decided dates were. I don't know. But that's the one they chose to put in the movie. They didn't put these other ones in the movies. So I know it's a little bit controversial, but I've asked a number of people and and the general consensus is that we like to take the passport photos as the actual birth dates most of the time. Just so you know, though... In Elizabeth Banks's website, Becca Mitchell is apparently from Portland, Oregon, and is born on November the 5th, 1994. But if you take her passport photo, she's from Seattle, Washington, and her birthday is the 22nd of September, 1992. So there is a little bit of a difference there. Whatever you choose to take. And I have heard from a number of people that maybe the dates are all messed up. It doesn't make any sense. You can you can kind of concoct from that whatever you want. But consider the fact that most people like the passport photos and they are in the movies, which would mean that the 22nd of September is Becca Mitchell's birthday. So if we are saying that Becca Mitchell was born on the 22nd of September 1992, this year she would be 28 years old. So we are just going to wish Becca Mitchell a very happy 28th birthday. And while the years might that are a little bit confusing, that's what it says. You can make of that what you want. And as I was contemplating it being Becca's Mitchell's birthday, one thought came to mind and there's a TikTok trend where there's a song that defines your life. And I was like, what a great opportunity to check out the song that potentially defines Becca Mitchell's life. And the trend goes that you have to figure out the song that was at number one on your 14th birthday. So if we take the fact that Becca Mitchell was born on the 22nd of September 1992 and we figure it out. There's websites you can look at. So I used the song that defines your life.com. I put in September the 22nd 1992. What song do you think defined Becca Mitchell's life? When she was 14, the song that was at number one was Sexy Back by Justin Timberlake. That's right. (laughs) So according to the TikTok trend, the song that defines Becca Mitchell's life is Sexy Beck. (laughs) I think Chloe would agree. How do we think Becca Mitchell would have celebrated her birthday? Like, would she be into it? Would she not? Like, what are the headcanons? What are your thoughts on this character and how she would have kind of tackled her birthday? I'd be really intrigued when she gets like 30 like how is she going to handle that head fit but we're not going to go there yet it's not her 30th birthday so I have been asking around what people thought about Becca Mitchell celebrating her birthday and a number of kind of topics or thoughts came to mind as we were thinking this through because like Becca's not the most out there with her emotions she kind of likes to keep things close to her chest 
We know from her backstory that her parents got divorced and so that would have a knock-on effect on birthdays and family celebrations and significant dates. We also know that Becca's quite meticulous when it comes to music. So I'm going to share some thoughts and also some thoughts that I've gleaned from other people around the idea of Becca Mitchell's birthday so that you can come with your own ideas but also find ways to celebrate her birthday wherever you are. So first things first, do we think that Becca Mitchell likes birthdays or hates birthdays? Is she one of those people who it's all over their profiles, they make plans, make sure it's a big day, tells everybody about it? Or do you think she's quite subdued about it? Do you think it holds any significance for her? I was thinking about this because I often get the impression that Becca Mitchell is not the most out there of people. I think if she does like a project and she does a good job on it, and she wants it out there into the world, that's a little bit different than, say, something quite personal as a birthday. As we know, Becca keeps things quite close to her chest. Don't think she would like the attention of birthdays. I I mean, I hate the attention anyway. Just this whole idea of people's attention directly on her, where she doesn't really have control. It's not like a performance where you can kind of control the attention that you're getting by what you do. You don't get any choice in this matter. It's your birthday. Everybody's going to be like sending you messages and saying happy birthday and like things like that. I think that side of it, Becca Mitchell would just not be into. I can almost see her just like wanting to keep her head down and just treat it like any other day. Just get through it as easily as possible. Apart from maybe with the people that she's close to and maybe like doing something just chilled. I can't see her kind of being out there quite outlandish with birthdays. I could almost imagine her being one of those people who like hides her birthday on Facebook because you have that option. I can't imagine that she wants to be bombarded with all the messages. Even like the Bellas would really struggle at first to know when her birthday is because it wouldn't be on the profile. They'd probably go like a year not knowing and then just being one day like, wait, we haven't celebrated Becca's birthday. When is her birthday? So like, I could totally see that being a thing, which is also slightly hilarious when you consider the fact that once she, she goes and moves into the Bella's house, she's with a big group of quite rowdy girls and some of them have very big personalities and will probably take any excuse to have a party. I can imagine that birthdays are quite significant in the Bella's house. They would be taking any opportunity to have a celebration, maybe go out, even if it's a girls' night, in, movie nights, whatever it is, to celebrate birthdays. Probably that gets bigger each year as they get closer as a, as a sisterhood. Becca trying to hide her birthday would be hilarious. And then you throw in Chloe Beale and the intensity that Chloe is. My impression of Chloe is that she's also a bit of the mum of the group. I think it's generally accepted that any celebration, she's going to grasp it and really take it to the nth degree of what she can make out of it. Like, she's not going to go half effort with anything. She goes full throttle into it. She probably knows when all the Bella's birthdays are and strives to make it special, especially as like one of the captains of the Bella's as well. If she didn't know when Becca's birthday was, she would be hounding Becca until she got that information. I could almost see the two of them knocking heads like who's going to break first, Becca or Chloe, as to whether or not Becca's going to give up the information of when her birthday is. 
But if that didn't happen, I mean, Chloe might already know what it when it is. She just might not tell Becca that she knows because as one of the previous captains with Aubrey, there's a high chance that on the application form, she would have had to have put her birth date or a certain amount of personal information. So there's a chance that Chloe already knows and there's like no way that Becca could have got out of it. But if her birthday is in September, that means that her first year, her freshman year, probably wasn't a big deal because it was like too early on in the school year for her to really have those friendships, for things to be established. She probably slipped by that year. Okay, it was all good. But one thought that uh, I thought was fantastic that I hadn't really considered and I probably should have because it's such an important part of Becca Mitchell and her backstory was potentially how her past affects the way that she sees her birthday. And I put the sort of questions out asking people like what they thought of Becca Mitchell's birthday headcanons. And I had this lovely explanation by Professor G. And it's quite long, so I'm going to read it out. It's like a little mini story. So I hope you enjoy this and hopefully I get it right. It says, because Becca's parents are divorced, birthdays are always a sort of disappointment. They never feel quite right with her family split apart. So she stops caring about them, stops celebrating them, just treats them like any other day. Until she meets Chloe. Chloe loves birthdays, loves celebrating the people in her life at any opportunity. So when Becca won't tell her when it is, she snoops at her student file to find it and organises the Bellas to throw her a surprise party at the Bellas house. They missed it in their first year because it was so early in the semester and Aubrey was too fixated on regionals to let Chloe worry about trivial things. Becca comes home and is initially furious that Chloe was so sneaky and invaded her privacy like this, but she can't stay mad when Chloe bats her eyes at her. She begrudgingly joins at first but soon gets into the rhythm of it and lets go, actually enjoying a birthday for the first time in a decade. Her found family restores her love for celebrating it and the next year Becca insists on doing the playlist for the party, as in her words, I can do it way better than Spotify can. I mean, wow, like that was like a whole story. That was so good in awe of the detail that went into the explanation of Becca's birthday. And what I loved about this, which I completely forgot, was how Becca's divorced parents might have had an effect on how she saw her birthday. And I can totally see birthdays just being a little bit tainted. I think when you've had something like that happen, it's always going to be there in the back of your mind. It's never going to be quite the same as it was for Becca, birthdays just being a little bit not as special as they used to be. And I can almost see her just getting used to that. Like, that's just the way it was. And so she just gets used to treating it like any other day and not liking the attention. She's just used to not having it. She doesn't want to make a big deal out of things. But then when you get thrown into like a group of friends where, you know, they've got big personalities and birthdays are just quite a big thing to celebrate, it's pretty hard to then hide it. People will find out. Like, I had friends where I didn't tell them my birthday. They will find out if they are persistent enough. And somebody like Chloe Beale is persistent enough. Like, she will get there. <laughs> so it's interesting to think how Becca's life and perception of birthdays could have changed 
with how it was with her parents, then her parents' divorce, and then when she lives with the Bellas. I love the idea of her perception of birthdays changing when she's with such enthusiastic people. And although I still think Becca would downplay it, she wouldn't want to come across as excited potentially as she could be about birthdays. And maybe with the Bellas, that excitement grows a little bit as she gets to know them better and she's more comfortable and and they've done birthdays before. But Becca would probably always downplay it. Like, she would never give off that she's excited in any way. I loved this comment by Meeks, actually. She probably giggles like a kid if she finds a card or two hidden in her room, but will totally play it cool and act as if she didn't even remember herself. Becca has the great deadpan face. She's trained herself in just having zero emotions showing on her face unless it's snarky. So she'd probably just go into like a snarky face, stick that on and then just act like she's above it all in some way. It doesn't phase her at all. And if they did end up having a party, Meeks continues and says she would probably end up drunk on all the love at the end of the day, subtly leaning or cuddling to the nearest person because they all know she is actually a softie anyway. This is the thing I love about Becca Mitchell is there's just like a little softie in there that could come out when she chooses to let it and the more comfortable she gets with her Bella's family. Like I can totally see it that she would probably really appreciate all the attention that they do give her. And of course, Chloe's very good at coaxing that out. Do we think, though, that Becca Mitchell is an easy person to get a present for? Now, RJ, on a group chat that I was on, suggested that Becca Mitchell was pretty easy to actually shop for because she would be so grateful people thought to get her anything that she would be secretly pretty jazzed, especially anything music-related. And I was thinking about this because I was like... That's such an intriguing idea. I could see Becca really appreciating gifts, but downplaying it because she doesn't want to come across like she hasn't too much emotions. She'd appreciate it. She's just got to keep her strong facade up. But I also think at the same time, Becca's a little bit of a perfectionist. She's not an Aubrey, I will give her that. But with certain things, she likes things a certain way. She spends hours on the mix to get it just right. Like, she's not going to release that mix unless it is where it needs to be at. You'd never be able to get her something for her music equipment or anything like that because she'd be so specific about it that if it wasn't the right thing, she's probably never going to use it. She probably wouldn't tell you that. People buying her presents would probably veer on avoiding maybe earphones and things like that because she knows what she wants and she'll probably, like, get it herself. I can imagine Becca being one of those people who gets herself a present of any form because she knows what she likes and so she'll get herself something. It's just like a little treat for her and it, I can imagine her maybe saving up when she was younger for those times when she wanted that piece of mixing equipment, investing in that, and that's, like, the present she gets for herself. And so for her, those around her, I can imagine them... They'd probably give it to her and she's like, oh, that's really sweet. And it's just not quite the right brand of earphones or not quite the right make and model of this specific thing. So they probably like stay away from that and then like stick to maybe more generic music stuff or maybe Becca does like a little bit of a list of what she actually wants. Um, but then I think sentimental things she'd really appreciate. 
I get the impression like before the Bellas, she's quite closed off. Whether she had any close friends where they had sentimental gifts between them. So suddenly having that in her life would probably be like really special. In another group chat, Courtney said... Becca thinks about her birthday just like a normal day, but Chloe's enthusiasm about celebrating it helps her learn to enjoy her birthdays again. There's a way that I see Becca Mitch's birthday going is it wasn't until she kind of moves in with the Bellas, Chloe taking the lead, but all the Bellas kind of making it special. It's her Bellas family. Her care for her Bella's family obviously is shown in Pitch Perfect 3 and she's come to appreciate the special place that they have in her life. And I can imagine that even when they're not together, the group chats and things, like they find little ways to celebrate each other's birthdays. One thing that I do believe though, whether... I can't imagine Becca ever really putting on a big birthday. I think Chloe would do it for her. But when that does happen... Uh, probably for her 30th birthday it would happen. I think Becky would definitely pick the music. She is so ingrained in her music and what she likes and with wanting to be in the music industry, her, she's making the mashups and stuff, especially early on. If you're that into music, you would never leave it up to chance that the playlist is going to be right. Whether you left it to Spotify or somebody made a playlist i could imagine somebody like cr taking charge of a playlist especially because she doesn't want them to just play bubbly pop all the time <laughs> between her and stacy they'd probably like you know they'd put together a playlist chloe would be throwing in some big poppy numbers stacy would be trying to go for anything promiscuous some heavy r&b and then you've got cr who's just gonna like She's going to go for the big classics, the ones that people know. So be like between the three of them, I feel like they would get to a good playlist. Um, but for Becca's birthday, I just think, you know, she's got all the equipment. We know she has a set of decks because she has them in Pitch Perfect 1. Like she knows how to use a set of DJ decks. So she could just like bring her decks down and her laptop and spin a few tracks. That's one area that she would be pretty meticulous over is just like the music has to be right. Now, whether or not she would end up as like her safety net where she'd just stay by her decks because that way she doesn't have to interact with too many people. And she has the excuse of being like, I've got to make sure the music's running. Got to mix the next tracks in. Or whether or not she kind of just let it play out. But I'm pretty sure Chloe would tear her away to make sure she doesn't stay there all night because it is her birthday. She has to interact with people whether she likes it or not because they're all there for her there's a slight embarrassment with being the centre of attention. And so I can totally see the idea that uh, one of the reasons why she keeps it down low is just she doesn't want to be the centre of attention on your birthday. Like, it's awkward. I don't want to open presents in front of people because then you have to, like, make a reaction. But it's easy with the Bellas because they were just all in for a party and they just love each other, so it all works. And I do imagine, like, if nothing else, if Becca downplays her birthday, doesn't want the attention, won't tell anybody, I think if nothing else, Becca Mitchell would want cake. I don't know why, but I just have this idea that even if she didn't tell anybody, she would go out of her way, maybe after a lecture, and just, like, get herself a piece of cake. Just be like, you know what, this is for me. Maybe not a whole cake, a whole cake for yourself is really hard to do and takes you like ages to get through it. It's a bit of a waste. But I think she would treat herself to a piece of cake and nod to herself. She'd get herself a present, she'd have a piece of cake and that's she's pretty happy with that. 
I can imagine Becca liking it pretty chilled on her birthday. But once she gets with the Bellas, she's more comfortable for a party. I would also love it if on birthdays, the Bellas are like those types of people who share embarrassing photos of them on Facebook on their birthday. And they probably have a load of embarrassing photos of Becca. As much as she hates it, they're all going to post them up and she's going to like threaten to kill them. But it's not going to happen because we all know that Becca Mitchell, although she likes to think she has his hard exterior, is a big softy. And I can imagine Becca Mitchell being kind of sentimental on her birthdays. Maybe not before the Bellas. With like cards and things. If somebody had written her a message, I can imagine Chloe like writing a message in a card or even making a personalised card with some sort of message in there. And that's the type of thing that Becca would not get rid of. Because maybe that's just not really happened that much before where somebody's made that much of an effort or she's had people that kind of give that much attention to her birthday. And so, like, the fact that it happens now is probably really special and that's the type of thing that she would, like, keep somewhere. She, like, stored away these little memories, these little captions of just evidences that she has people in her life that she can have these special moments with. But the idea that since she became a Bella and had the Bella's family birthdays have become like a special thing for her or more special than it was before. I just love it. I think it's fantastic. Now, obviously, we don't know what Becca Mitchell might be doing for her birthday in quarantine, but that doesn't mean that we can't celebrate it. How would you celebrate Becca Mitchell's birthday? That is the question. Do you sit down and you watch Pitch Perfect or do you just like play the songs, especially the ones where Becca has like a big moment Cheap Thrills has got to be in the playlist somewhere. The final performance from Pitch Perfect 1. Do you get a cup out specifically for her birthday? (laughs) Anna Kendrick might hate it now because she's just been attached to a cup. And I'm sure Becca hates it, but I can imagine the Bellas just getting drunk enough. They're just using their solo cups as cups for the cup song as they try and emulate Becca's audition number. (laughs) They'll try and get Becca to do it. She'll refuse but they'll probably break her in the end. Or maybe you get some Capra Sun and see how easy you can open it. We all know Becca's struggle with Capra Sun. Maybe you try and make a birthday mix. Have a go at your own mashup. There's this great app that I saw where you can pick two songs and it will try and merge it into a mashup. It's called Rave. Sometimes it's really successful, other times not so much, but you can actually attempt to make your own mashup really quickly through that. Or just, like, figure out songs that go together. Or maybe Chloe tries and attempts to make a mashup for Becca on her birthday. Oh, my word, that would be amazing. It wouldn't be that great, but she'd definitely try and have a go and learn it. And Becca just would, it's like, she would love it. So many possibilities. And whatever you choose to do on Becca Mitchell's birthday, enjoy it. This week in fan fiction, what happens when you have the ability to know when people are going to die? You have the backstory of one time dating a famous DJ, or what happens when you're an Uber driver? Starting off with Time and Space by It's Super Gay on AO3. The summary says, The ability to know when a person will die without being able to alter their fate has never sucked more than when she's falling for a pretty girl against her will and knows there isn't enough time. So this story takes us to Becca, where 
she has this ability when she looks at someone on their forehead it gives them the age in which a person is going to die and she's had this ability for as long as she can remember and what i love about just the setting of this story as it says in the summary she's going to meet a pretty girl oh i wonder who that's going to be chloe when she meets chloe and the age chloe's going to die is literally 18 it's like months away and so this story is a multi-chapter story, but what happens because of the summary is you know that you're on a countdown. You know from the summary it's not going to go well. There is a time span here, whether you like it or not, that seems unchangeable. It seems like something you can't affect. And so as we delve into the story, especially at the beginning, what I love, what the author's done to kind of get you prepared for the moment where she's going to meet Chloe it kind of goes through Becca's own trauma with this ability that she has and how that's like affected her in not being able to make relationships with people or not even wanting to get close to people because, and it talks about in the fic, the idea that you know somebody's expiration date. It's always there whenever you look at them. It's there on their forehead. She can never escape it. And so the idea of getting close to someone where she's always going to see that, it's always going to be in the back of her mind counting down to the time when that age is going to come round is mortifying. So we see Becca really struggling with this ability that she has. It talks about in the fic, especially at the beginning, as she was growing up. I mean, this is set in high school as well. So she's like a junior going on senior in high school at the time of the story. And it talks about a little bit of her growing up with this ability, coming to understand what the numbers above people's heads mean and like the anxiety it caused her, especially when she meets people where have a really low number, how she dealt with that. And there's some really heartbreaking moments in her own backstory as to why she feels the way she does and losing someone extremely close to her. And what that experience did was the fact that her knowing when somebody was going to die left her feeling pretty powerless. And although she tried everything that she could to try and change that number to stop it from happening, in the end, it seemed almost inevitable. Do you deal with that? And as it says in the summary, you don't have the ability to alter a person's fate. It's kind of like a double-edged sword because you have this ability to know how long someone's going to live, but you can't do anything about it when the number is so low, when they mean something to you. And so then it kind of begs the question, well, what is the point? Like you have this amazing ability that not many people have but it's not to your benefit of all at all it doesn't do anything for you i love how the author just sets this up as being quite a bit of a curse and i love the subtle way in which that meet cute happened because for whatever reason becca doesn't look at her forehead straight away mainly because chloe's eyes are amazing and so for the first time in maybe a while, she gets to know somebody without seeing the date. And it's not attached to the age on their forehead. But when she does see the age, she's just like shocked and like heartbroken that it would be so low. And as the story continues, we, we then find out that like Chloe's 17, going to be turning 18 really soon. And her age above her head is 18. She has potentially months to live before she's going to die. What I thought was really interesting when, when Becca discovers this and has these interactions, she's then kind of going through all these thought processes in her head. Should I even get close to this person? Because I'm going to be looking at them all the time, knowing that they don't have long left and I can't do anything about it. 
and the guilt that comes because of that. And then she sees her family and knows the fact that they're going to become childless and like all these like things are going on in her head. And you're just, as a reader, you feel almost as helpless as Becca because you're reading it thinking, well, there's no way that this can change. The author's told you from the very beginning of the story this situation and the fact that there isn't enough time, this girl's going to die. And so you're just kind of left there really tense as you're reading because you're just horrified almost the fact that you kind of already kind of know the ending even though you don't want it to end that way and I don't want to give away what happens at the end because the the nice thing about this is the fact that it's completely finished so you can read it now and know the whole story is there if you get a bit addicted and you need to find out what's going to happen like it's all there you can check it all out but there is this like dread as you're reading because you're just hoping against hope that this story is going to turn out in some miraculous way. It's a little bit mortifying to think that Becca is helpless and Chloe is just going to die at age 18. It's so sad. It's heart-wrenching. The next story is I Once Dated a Disc Jockey by Ferran on AO3. The summary says, Chloe's colleagues noticed that she has a picture of Becca Mitchell, famous DJ, singer, songwriter on her laptop but they don't believe that they really know each other. It's an interesting story because it's quite quick and the author doesn't give a lot away, so a lot of it's left up to your interpretation and into your mind. And it has, like, Chloe's perspective on a number of things, Becca's perspective, and it kind of leaves it quite open-ended at the end. It lets you as a reader kind of decide how you think this all goes out and plays out. But I love the little interactions. Also, just a little bit of a fact and a nod to the fact that this author, for whatever reason, decided to send Chloe to Scotland as a vet. I was like, yes, come to the UK. We love it. Why she picked Scotland? I don't know. Like, it seems like such a random place to pick. But then I was thinking about it and I was like, actually, Chloe looks a little bit like the girl from Brave, the Disney movie, and she's like Scottish. So... This could totally work. She's got the big red mane, like, it's all there. Chloe could pull it off. She'd be in Scotland. Maybe maybe not the weather, but everything else would be fine. What's really interesting is you kind of have these really happy moments, but also, like, the underpinnings of just a little bit of sadness. And it kind of creeps in that there's, like, certain amount of backstory that you don't necessarily know about, but it's inklings of stuff that have happened... And then it allows you as the reader to kind of build up in your mind how you think these things played out and why what happened and why they happened. And so it's really interesting that it kind of just delves into these little snapshots with her colleagues and stuff. She ends up having a conversation about the fact that she knew this famous DJ, Becca Mitchell, and what happened there and all these little interactions that kind of build up this story and this little universe that this author has created but what I really like about it is just the very open-endedness in which they ended it. Although not a lot was done or said, you felt the care from both Chloe and Becca and you got to see both of their views and what maybe heartache they were in. And so it kind of leans into the fact that maybe they're trying to rectify what happened and maybe the sparks are not completely gone and maybe there's a way of building this again. And so your mind just runs with it after you've read the story. And the last story that we've got is a little bit different, and I was quite taken with this one. It's such a random idea. It's called Backseat Romance by Snowflake19. 
And in this story, Chloe is an Uber driver. Last week we had Chloe the YouTuber. This week we have Chloe the Uber driver. It says in the summary, Chloe loves Uber. Ever since she was in her teens, she's considered the profession of a taxi driver to have something inherently romantic. The idea of bringing people from one point to another, fleetingly being a part of their life and actively helping them go about their lives, that was something that really connected with Chloe. Can I just say, I do not necessarily connect with Chloe on the idea of being a taxi driver as romantic, but I love the description that the author has put into this summary. I don't think I've ever read anything that makes the idea of being an Uber driver that attractive. And as you sort of delve into the story, you can actually kind of see Chloe's personality kind of works quite well in this whole weird scenario. She's quite good with people. She's very good at making people feel comfortable reading situations. Like, she could do it. A bizarre concept. I don't know how this author came about, the idea of Chloe being an Uber driver, but I was loving it. This story is also completed. You can check it out. It's only five chapters, but what I love about it, especially at the beginning, if you just delve into the first chapter, for example, it all happens in Chloe's car. So especially at the beginning, the meet-cutes between her and Becca and some of the things that happen, it's all happening from Chloe's car. The whole of that first chapter is just playing out on these little interactions Chloe has when she's on the clock working for Uber. But I also love how subtly things progressed in the story because you're complete strangers. How many times do you actually like end up with a conversation or actually get to know a stranger in your first meeting? It's such a fleeting thing. And these journeys in the car are 15, 20 minutes tops. So they're not massive amounts of time. And how do you interact with somebody in a taxi? Like a lot of times, maybe you don't talk to them. Maybe you're on your phone. It depends on the person's mood and stuff. So I loved how in the first little interactions, maybe it wasn't like a full-blown I'm going to get to know this person, but it was very typical of somebody being in the back of an Uber. The story's all from Chloe's perspective. It's great to see how her mind's working through this as she has different people in the back of a car and she interacts with them, how her mind works when suddenly she's got Becca in the back of the car. This is a very intriguing kind of setup for the story and it just kind of lends itself very well. Just a fun story playing out. The idea that Chloe's an Uber driver in LA... I don't think I've ever seen anything that makes Uber seem that romantic. So if nothing else, it's given me a whole new perspective on the idea of Uber. Who knows? There's so many different ways that maybe you could meet someone. And I never thought that it could be through Uber. But there you go. Those are our three fanfics of this week. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. And whatever you choose to do for Becca Mitchell's birthday, enjoy some cake. If you want to keep up to date with Pitch That, we are on Tumblr, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram and Facebook. You can check us out so you can follow us there. We're always posting like questions and get your opinions on stuff. So I'd love to hear from you. And of course, you can subscribe and like the podcast as well, wherever you're listening to this on. Thank you so much for listening. I'm really, really grateful for your support and excited to continue delving into the very talented people that we have in this fandom as we keep just enjoying Pitch Perfect together. That's it, awesome nerds. I'll see you next time.